we're trying to do. We're in the midst of a three-week campaign trying to round up new shoes, packages of socks, or cash donations for this very, very worthwhile cause. Laura Keller is the person that had the vision for this. I'm very thankful for the vision and sharing it with us, and I hope that you'll take advantage of this opportunity to make a difference. Um, The details are in the bulletin. You'll hear more about this in the weeks to come. Three announcements. Today, YMCA Open House from 1 to 6. All the information is on your bulletin insert. If you've never been to the Y or haven't been for a while, it's a great way to check out what's new at the Y. Also to sample a class. They have a special deal. If you want to join the Y, it's a great place. That's today from 1 to 6. Breakfast Club starts this Friday. Now, I was pointed out this morning by Brian Hickman that our calendar for the month says that it meets on Thursday. Originally, it was going to move to Thursday. That has changed. It takes place Fridays, starting this Friday at the Cable Building. It's for junior high and senior high students. How many of you come to Breakfast Club? Okay? It's a great time to come and get a great meal before school. And then this Saturday, Beth Moore simulcast right here at FCC a very uh, generous Christian in our community, has paid all of the cost for this event so we can offer it free to you, which that's unheard of, by the way. Most churches charge $20, $25 for this day. Ladies, come on out. The simulcast itself starts at 8.30, wraps up about 3.15. If you can't come for the whole day, come for the morning, come for the afternoon, you will be blessed. And I think Adam's going to talk about it at the end, but reveal kickoff is tonight at Little Galilee. Don't worry about the storms. They're going to go around Clinton. It's going to be a great time tonight at Little Galilee. At this point, I'd like my friend Lynn Laughlin from Lincoln Christian University to come forward, and he is going to make a very special presentation. Thank you, Greg. Kent's already making his way up here. Um, on behalf of Lincoln Christian University, we're very happy to have this opportunity. Kent has already received the Restoration Award uh, at Lincoln, and uh, it's a very important award that the school gives. But we also have another award that I want to offer to Kent today uh, for recognition of 30 years of service here at First Christian and Clinton. We're truly proud of what he's done. I serve as the director of alumni, and uh, as somebody who's been involved in alumni uh, for a number of years now, I couldn't be happier to be here to be a part of this service and to be a part of this day because we are very proud of what Kent and Merle have accomplished, um, not only here at First Christian. It began over 53 years ago uh, in southern Illinois, and um, it ended up here at First Christian for the last 30 years. And so I'm very honored to, to be here today and to share in this award Before I give this award, I need to let you know that you have already honored him in a very special way because there is a scholarship that is at Lincoln. Uh, It is already there. It's an endowed scholarship, and um, you feel free to continue to contribute to it, but it will start bringing uh, money in next fall, and so next fall somebody from this church will be able to be the recipient of a scholarship because of this church's generous donation uh, to honor Kent. On behalf of Lincoln Christian University, the Christian Servants Award is conveyed upon J. Kent Hickerson for more than five decades of faithful Christian ministry as a preacher and pastor, of which three decades were here in service to First Christian Church, Clinton, Illinois. I've signed it. It's dated September 8, 2013. We're very proud of what Kent has accomplished. We know that he has got many more years of service, 
and our joy is that uh, he will always be a person who demonstrates the heart of Christ, and that's why we love Kent so much. Kent, congratulations. If you missed the uh, 9.30 celebration, we do have that. We will have that on the website tomorrow. Some great, great accounts of uh, just the memories of the last 30 years from some of Kent's closest friends here at the church and Lynn and, and others. And I'll just tell you, young people, listen up for just a moment. You just heard from three of the best people I know in Bob Phillips, Kent Hickerson, and Lynn Laughlin. And uh, man, it doesn't get any better than that. I shouldn't even be preaching today. One of them should be preaching we're just honored to have uh, people like that near us and around us that we can grow from in a great way. I do want to share some prayer requests with you. Um, three individuals that are not in your bulletin, and you may not have been able to see the requests on the screen. Please pray for Rich Turney, who was taken to the hospital on Friday. Dan Tripp from our church, who was taken to the hospital on Thursday. And Adrian Baker, who was taken to the hospital yesterday. And again, I'm not going to share a lot of specifics, but all three um, need our prayers, and we need to pray for them as they uh, seek medical attention and doctors and nurses try to figure out exactly what is next for each and every one of them. Last year, um, a member of our first service came to me and really challenged me on preaching a sermon series about women of the faith. And she wasn't complaining, but she said, you know, you do a great job talking about heroes of the faith, but there are some incredible women in Scripture that we can learn from and that we can model our lives after. Or maybe they made mistakes and we can learn from the mistakes that they made. And so last summer, we did a six-week sermon series, Women of the Faith. I don't know if you remember that or not. It went from Old Testament to New Testament. And I made a personal commitment when that series wrapped up and I heard the feedback and the, the critiques and, and, and the thank yous, that every year we would carve out at least a, a short sermon series and we would look at women in Scripture and what we can learn from women in Scripture. And so here we are all year long. It's all about Jesus is our theme. And for this month, we're looking at the women of Jesus and some of the life lessons that we can learn from Jesus, from the women of Jesus. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. Grab your pew Bible and turn to page 1028. 1028 in your pew Bible. And we're going to look at the account of Martha and Mary. When my kids were younger, I mean a long time ago, like six days ago, my son had a huge glass of ice water, and that huge glass of ice water got knocked over, and there was water everywhere, and both of my kids were really good at this when something like that would happen. They would just like freeze, like they were just like stuck in time for a moment. And in this one instance, Marla and I, almost in unison, said something that I'm, I'm sure you have heard before. We said, don't just sit there, do something. And froze a little bit longer, but eventually, he's hiding right now, eventually got the paper towels and started to clean up the, the, the mess. How many of you have ever heard that said to you or you've said it to someone before? Don't just sit there, do something. 
Maybe you're watching a, a football game and your wife's busy at work and she wants help and she looks at you and says, don't just sit there, do something. I've heard that many, many times. What is it about us as Americans that we want to just do something? A crisis happens, a problem unfolds, something's going wrong and we don't know what to do. But we just feel like we need to do something if we're up and we're walking around and we're hustling and we're bustling. That somehow is going to take a bad situation and make it better. This week we're looking at a passage of Scripture that I think kind of turns that phrase, don't just sit there, do something, around. And I was reminded this week, preparing for this message, that sometimes the best thing I can do as a follower of Jesus Christ is nothing at all but to just sit there. Don't just do something. Sit there. Luke chapter 10 tells us the story of Jesus heading to the home of some very close friends, Mary and Martha of Bethany. And I want to read for you just this short five-verse passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 10. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Martha came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord, Luke chapter 10. Don't you love safe houses? I, I love safe houses. But some of you are looking at me like you don't know what a safe house is. A safe house is somewhere you can go and you can be yourself. You don't have to put on any kind of a front or a persona. You can kick your shoes off. You can put your feet up on the coffee table and just relax. If the football game's on, you're watching the football game. If Duck Dynasty's on, you're watching Duck Dynasty. If the Food Network's on, you go to the other room. No, I'm just kidding. But whatever is playing out, you can just be yourself. And there's really very few places like that in my life. I can go to my mom's house and I can take my shoes off and just kick back and relax. I can go to my in-laws in Latham, same deal. I can go to my friend Ed Bacon's house, my friend Eric Ewald's house, and I can really be myself. But those places are few and far between. And this account that we're looking at in Scripture today was one of those places for Jesus. My guess is many times when Jesus was out ministering, he really probably had no place to lay his head. My guess is there was many a night of ministry that maybe the disciples and Jesus slept in a field. Or they were in a stranger's home that they had no connection with whatsoever. But here in Bethany, a suburb of Jerusalem, we find a place where Jesus could kick back and relax and unwind and talk about the day and talk about ministry. And that's exactly what's playing out here in Luke chapter 10. And yet it's in that midst that there are life lessons, faith lessons, that we can learn this morning. I've got three I want to share with you. Number one is this, however, don't think that Martha is being criticized 
because she's a hard worker. Martha's not being criticized for her work ethic. See, the temptation would be to read Luke 10, verses 38 to 42, and to conclude that Martha was wrong, Martha was bad, Martha was out of line, and Mary was the good sister. Mary was right. Mary was good. Mary had it all together. That is far too simplistic of an interpretation of Luke chapter 10. In fact, I'm going to take it a step further. I really believe that the church needs more Marthas than we realize. We need people like Martha that will roll up their sleeve and work tirelessly for the glory of God. And this week in preparing the message, I just jotted down my list of Marthas. This is an incomplete list. As I was just watching first service today, I added to this list because there's so many people that have a passion to serve. But when I think of the Marthas of First Christian Church, I think of people like Dora Neal. Do you know Dora Neal? Do you know that every single week, and I mean every week, Tuesday or Wednesday, Dora Neal comes in the sanctuary, turns on the lights, she has one of those electric pencil sharpeners, and she goes through every single pew here making sure the pencils are sharpened and that the hymns and the Bibles are where they need to be. And if someone's been messing around with something, she cleans it up. She's a Martha. She's working tirelessly, and I bet you didn't even realize it. I think of someone like Asana Hoke. That, that runs our nursery. You know, I think the nursery ministry may be one of the more thankless ministries at First Christian Church. You may not realize this, but babies cry. And you may not realize this, but many babies don't want a stranger holding them. They only want their mom, or they only want their dad, or they only want their grandma. And yet, Sana engineers a team of people that love our most precious commodities. And it's a challenging ministry, I'm sure, at times. Sana always has a smile on her face. I think of a guy like a Danny Bundy. Now, you don't go to first service, many of you, but every single Sunday morning by 7.30, Danny Bundy is out in that parking lot. He's out in the, the street near the parking lot, and he's greeting people. He's hugging people. He's parking cars. Um, some of the, the grumblers, and I know we don't like to talk about grumblers, but some of the grumblers never come and grumble to me, but they always go and grumble to him, and he always has a smile on his face, and he's always so encouraging. He loves to be around people. I think of people like Chris and Lindsay Moody and Gage and Rachel Lyons and the passion that they have for FCA here in Clinton. And some people would say, well, is that a First Christian Church ministry? Yeah, First Christian Church is a partner in that ministry. They had something like 60 high school students come out Tuesday or Wednesday night of this week for their kickoff. And, and Chris and Lindsay and Gage and Rachel and Adam is a part of that. They love serving. I think of people like our breakfast club crew that this Friday morning will be cooking and cleaning and getting the cable building ready long before a lot of us get up so that 60-plus junior high and senior high students can come and have an awesome breakfast and hear God's word and get ready to go to school. And understand this. We, we have multiple teams. That's the only church they have. We don't see them on Sundays. We don't see them on Sunday morning. We don't see them on Sunday night. We don't see them on Wednesday night. That's the, their connection. And I'm thankful for those tireless workers. I'm thankful for someone like Genevieve Farnsworth. If you were a student with Genevieve Farnsworth in the nursery at any time in your life, raise your hand right now. Which what a great ministry she has had 
for decades upon decades upon decades of serving. I'm thankful for people like Louise Moore and Audrey Sessions and Goldie Hedrick and our other cooks around here. I, I think one of these days when I say, hey, Louise, come here a minute, she's going to turn around and run the other way because I've always got something up my sleeve. And she always says yes. She's always willing to serve. The kingdom of God, First Christian Church of Clinton, needs the Marthas of the world. So lesson number one is don't conclude that Martha is being criticized here because of her strong work ethic. But lesson number two is this. A strong Christian work ethic with a bad attitude really doesn't benefit anyone. And if we were to criticize Martha, I think we could say that in spite of her strong work ethic, in spite of the fact that she wanted to serve Jesus and have a great evening with Jesus and bless the disciples, her attitude was bordering on bad. If there's a word that really comes to mind, it's probably the word irritation. Have you ever met someone serving in ministry and they really became irritated, they really became frustrated, they really started to get hot and bothered, and why are more people not helping, and why does the ministry staff make life so much tough, and why can't we get the announcements right, and before long, man, it just starts to build, and you don't really have that joy of the Lord as your strength motto anymore. You start to grumble. As Jesus says, you become worried and bothered and upset about so many things, about the little things. If, if we were to do a, a study in context in this passage of Scripture, do you know what is couched right before this account in Scripture? You can go ahead and look in your Bible right now. It's a parable everyone in here has heard of, would be my guess. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we studied the parable of the Good Samaritan in June of this year as we journeyed through the parables this summer. And we read the parable of the Good Samaritan, and of course, uh, the Samaritan who was racially different from the person that was abused and beat up, he's really more than neighbor, and we give him a lot of props, and we should. But the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, I always want to step back and try to figure out, why did the priest, why did the Levite, why did the professional ministers, why did the people that knew the book of law better than anyone else think that it'd be okay to, to cross from one side of the street to the other and go on their way and ignore someone in need. Maybe they were irritated. Maybe they were worried and bothered about so many things. Maybe they had such a laundry list of to-do ministry tasks that they forgot what it even meant to be a Levite, what it even meant to be a priest. And friend, if you're not careful, in the midst of serving the Lord, you can become embittered. You can be discouraged, and you can find yourself crying out, Lord, Lord, why is this happening? Lord, Lord, that's just not fair. See, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to read Luke chapter 10 and realize that Martha's bad attitude spoils what should have been a wonderful evening with the Lord. This should have been a capstone evening. This should have been one of those times years later when Martha and Mary, maybe gathering together for, for a special celebration, reflected back and said, yeah, I remember that time that Jesus and the disciples came to Bethany. I remember that time when we had the feast. I remember that time when we spent the entire evening with Jesus. But her bad attitude 
spoils it for everyone. Have you heard the phrase, misery likes company? Anybody, anybody heard that phrase before? Martha's bad attitude is infectious, and it's discouraging. And it takes what should have been a great evening of relaxing and fellowshipping with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's a downer for everyone. And so as you work and as you serve, hopefully you are a Martha or you want to be a Martha at some point. Hopefully you'll never get so wrapped up into the actual act of service that you'll lose track of the why you serve, why you minister, why we try to make a difference. And lesson number three, point number three, this is really pretty simplistic here. The key to mastering this struggle, serving like Martha with a heart of Mary, is one thing. Jesus said only one thing is needed, and Jesus is the answer. Now, that sounds cliche. That sounds simplistic. That sounds like something, you know, Genevieve might do with the three-year-olds. But it's really profound if you think about it. Jesus said one thing is needed. Jesus is that one thing. And so this morning, my challenge to you as we try to figure out how can I have that heart, that, that service of Martha and that heart of Mary, here's my challenge for you. Let Jesus Christ serve you before you serve others. Be in His Word. Spend time in quiet reflection. Get away from the craziness and the busyness and soak in Jesus. This week, I, I had a pretty busy week. And just to be honest with you, it seems like I've been saying that a lot lately. The weeks lately have been really busy. And I found myself at a minister's meeting in Muhammad. And I found myself at Carl Hospital on, on Wednesday afternoon. And uh, I had a task list of things to do. And I decided that I was going to just scratch that task, task, task list. And I went and saw my mom for about a half hour. And I got on my bike. And I just went biking through Champaign. Places I haven't been to in a really long time. Spent some time at the cemetery where my dad is buried. Spent some time driving through Hessel Park, a park I used to love to go to growing up. Spent some time going by my, my old church, First Christian Church of Champaign, just praying for that church as they're in a time of transition. About two hours later, as I uh, was able to load the bike up and start to head home, just that simple relaxation and prayer and, and solitude and trying to not get hit by a car, all, all of that kind of combined together took a crazy week, a busy week, a stressful week. And it changed everything. It helped me refocus. It reminded me that things are probably never as tough as we think that they are. So if you find yourself this morning like Martha, you're worried and you're upset and you're bothered about so many things, maybe even ministry things, maybe even kingdom things, I have a suggestion for you. Don't just do something. Sit there and soak in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when you do, you'll be ready to let the Lord use you in a great, powerful, mighty way. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. 
And thank you for the hope we have because of your son, Jesus. And help us to never get so wrapped up in doing that we forget that first and foremost, it's all about being. Help us to never get so worried about even ministry tasks that we forget the why of Breakfast Club. We forget the why of FCA. We forget the why of funeral dinners. We forget the why of ministry opportunities. Help us to be a people that that love to serve, but we love to serve with a smile on our face and a smile on our heart, knowing that we're making a difference, not for our glory, but for yours. We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. It is commitment time as it is every week here at FCC. If you have a decision to make for Jesus Christ, I invite you as the worship team sings our song of commitment to come forward. If you're in need of prayer, Adam's up front.